Hello there everyone and welcome to the UCL Careers podcast. My name's Joe Budd and I'm a careers consultant here at UCL Careers. This episode brings you a panel discussion on how businesses are making their practices sustainable in areas such as sustainability investment, product management, supply chain and consulting as part of our sustainability themed week. Taking part in this panel, you will hear from Anna Barker, a senior supply chain and programs manager at the Fair Trade Foundation, Jean-Paul Gillette, a senior revenue manager at Orsted, Tom Harwood, an operations and customer director at Abundance Investment, and Laura Foodie, a product manager at All Plants. So let's get into it. We have a, a range of um, special guests. Some are alumni, others are industry uh, guests who, who represent different areas of sustainability within business. And they're going to be here to, um, to engender you a little bit more information about what they do, uh, why they do what they do, the kind of challenges and the highlights, roots in, uh, and hopefully pass on some advice, uh, some well-worn advice uh, that they might have for you if you were considering a career within sustainability. And what I'd love to do is invite uh, Anna Barker, uh, who's with us um, from Fair Trade. And Anna, I wondered if you could uh, just describe a typical working day in your role, perhaps some of the elements, uh, the main elements uh, and what they involve, perhaps a particular project challenge you've got your teeth into. Um, and really just to give the students an idea of uh, why you do what you do. Sure, thanks Dave, thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, I'm the Senior Supply Chain and Programme Manager at Fairtrade. Uh, and in this role, I look after the flowers, wine and gold categories on behalf of the Fairtrade Foundation. Um, my day-to-day is quite diverse. Um, I work on all sorts of different projects and those supply chains um, on, an, on a daily basis uh, for different sorts of customers. Um, so in terms of the types of thing I can do in my day, um, I might have a buyer from one of the supermarkets get in touch with me, for example, um, who buy fair trade flowers or they're thinking about it um, and they need to have either an internal meeting or there's a communications moment coming up and they want to understand how their fair trade flower sourcing makes a difference. Um, so I could easily spend a day talking to fair trade flower farms, um, understanding how they spent the fair trade premium, putting together quotes, stories, and then helping um, a supermarket talk about that. Equally, um, COVID, for example, has been a big challenge um, for all of the categories I work on. So I might be designing a project with a donor uh, that looks at solutions for how we could support. Um, so we set up a, a project with the UK government and also with Tesco, M&S and Co-op for flowers in light of the fact that that was a supply chain really badly hit by COVID-19. Um, and then I will spend a day kind of designing that project or reporting on it or speaking to stakeholders um, and understanding what's going on in the ground and the impact that we're having. Likewise, um, yeah, I could spend half a day with a jeweler. I could just be briefing them on the gold supply chain. What are the challenges? What are the risks? What are the issues that they find? What might be the sustainability solutions that exist for them and how could they access those, um, those solutions and how could Fairtrade help them? So really diverse, um, really interesting, all sorts of different stakeholders that you're speaking to, all within the kind of remit of those sectors. So um, yeah, a little bit about what I do. Fabulous. Thank you so much for that uh, intro. Uh, Jean-Paul. Hi. Yeah, so I'm uh, Jean-Paul Gillette. I'm a senior revenue manager for Ørsted, a Danish offshore wind company. Uh, we're the world's largest uh, developer, owner, operator of offshore wind. We have... Uh, 
the largest offshore wind farm in the world, uh, currently installed in the UK. My role within it is, as a senior revenue manager, is looking at the current revenue streams, um, kind of optimizing them, but also looking at kind of a forecast looking forward about what we can do to improve on these revenue streams. And that includes not just looking at the, the offshore wind itself, but it's looking at energy storage, hydrogen, how it can all kind of come into combination and deliver a kind of a net zero future, right? Ideally, uh, uh, completely go on, on renewables ener renewable energy. Um, that's quite challenging, as you might expect. There's a, there's a lot of issues around, uh, there's a lot of support in, in offshore wind around developing a very large portfolio in the future, but there's a lot of issues with the supply and demand, and that requires a lot of kind of modeling and market thinking about how, how we're going to solve some of these issues to be able to integrate as much renewable energy as we want in the system. Um, I think for me, in terms of projects and typical days, I think, as, as I said before, there's no real typical day, but I work across the world, so I, I wake up quite early and then I speak with, with some colleagues in Japan and then the kind of as the day progresses, different markets open up and, and you, you kind of go speaking with different, different colleagues. We're also active in so many markets looking at new offshore wind opportunities and so looking at how we can optimize these revenue streams to really deliver good, profitable offshore wind projects. Um, and I think in terms of projects I like is I have a background prior to joining Ersted in energy storage. So looking at how we can really deploy energy storage to kind of maximize the utility of renewable energy and, and provide better opportunities uh, like for integration of renewable energy, renewable energy in the future is quite interesting to me. And so we're developing projects of, of like with that intention across the world at the moment. And it's, it's quite an interesting but complicated technology. And it intersects across so many fields because let's say with storage, you're looking at lithium ion, which is in competition with electric vehicles for supply, but also it's driving down the price. So there's a lot of kind of um, supply chain considerations. There's lots of uh, kind of costing out, looking at how prices are going to evolve over the future. Um, so it's, it's really quite complex, but it's really rewarding when you, when you get it right and you get a project going. Fabulous. I think uh, that's, uh, that's my side, I think. Okay, now. perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, Tom. Hi, uh, I'm Tom at uh, Abundance Investment. We're an online investment platform uh, for projects which have a kind of uh, environmental or social impact. Uh, I'm the operations director. Uh, so as a business, we work with... Uh, companies and more recently councils uh, in the UK that are looking to raise uh, debt funding for generally for particular infrastructure projects. That can be things like renewable energy, uh, but more recently as well, things like social housing or waste management uh, projects. Also looking at things like energy storage and other areas, uh, kind of green energy as well. So on the one side, we work with them to arrange and structure the investments. And on the other side, we then list those on our platform. Uh, it's open to any ordinary investor in the UK to invest five pounds or up upwards uh, in those projects to hopefully earn a, a decent return as well as have a positive impact with their money. My side, we're a relatively small business, so about 20 people or so. Um, and I work on the operations side, which kind of covers, I guess, a a number of areas in any business, but particularly so, I guess, in a, in a relatively small business. So I generally will handle some areas of kind of customer support. So speaking to investors on our platform who have queries, whether that's about how to open an ISA, transfer ISAs or, or make investments. Um, there's a compliance angle to it. So we're a regulated uh, 
company. Um, so we have a range of regulations which apply to us, such as how we market investments, uh, making sure risks are clear, for example, um, to how we um, kind of handle money, uh, our customers' money when it comes through to us. Uh, then there's a kind of administration part of that, both on the, the platform side. So you know, when customers deposit money with us, processing those payments, the movement of money. Um, and then I guess operations will always cover a kind of an element of a broader business operations. So how we work as a business, and that can be a, a little bit of HR, a little bit of office management, a little bit of uh, anything uh, which needs to get done, basically. Um, so it's quite a broad job that I have. Um, so yeah, some some jobs more interesting than others. So today, one of today's jobs is I'm currently reviewing our financial crime policy. Um, compliance not being my my favorite thing, um, but obviously very important. So kind of reviewing that is a job on, uh, on my list today. But then a, a more interesting thing is we're looking at making some changes to our platform and how it operates. Um, so I'm inputting into yeah new features that we're delivering for our the platform what do we think customers will think about them uh, testing those features um so that's a kind of for my side anyway a more interesting side of my job interacting with our tech team our platform's kind of built in-house so we work with our uh, engineers in-house to to deliver new features as well um so those are kind of some of the variety of different jobs um involved in my side fabulous thank you so much tom uh, and last, but by no means least, Laura, uh, who's a product manager at All Plants. Yeah. Um, so I guess following on from everybody else, I also have a super diverse role. No two days are the same. I know it's a really cliche thing to say, um, but it's honestly what I love the most about the job. Um, so my role is to improve our digital product, um, not the food, the website. Um, solving problems users face, um, optimizing um, the product, the website to increase conversions. Um, but that whole process of identifying problems, finding the most important one to solve, um, and then testing, um, designing and implementing different solutions takes a really long time. Um, so sometimes I'm focused on user or market research, um, usability testing, and general discovery. Um, and other times I'm working more closely with product designers and engineers to build and deliver a new feature. Um, and then I also spend a lot, like a lot of time <laughs> looking at data, um, whether that's finding opportunity to improve um, or monitoring impacts of new releases. Um, I'd say the biggest challenge in my area of the company is how to match the company mission, which is inspiring people to eat more plants, um, to the product that we deliver. A lot of our customers come to us um, just out of convenience, not because we're a sustainable company or because they want to have an environmental impact. Um, so thinking of that journey from the customer's perspective, how do we take someone who is maybe only just or not even really thinking that much about eating less meat, get them to purchase from us, support them in that decision um, and show them it can be easy, delicious, and then how do we keep them with us so they can continue to like learn and grow, reduce their meat intake, because that has such an environmental impact and it's why we do what we do. Great, thank you so much. All right, so we're gonna go um, round our speakers again, and, and this time we're gonna focus a little bit on their journey. 
Um, we might also talk them a little bit uh, through kind of how they found their way into the sustainability field, uh, perhaps the most important academic uh, and work experiences that they, uh, that they, they undertook uh, to get to where they are. Um, so Anna, I wondered if you could kick us off. Yeah, sure. So um, yeah, I did my degree at UCL in history. Um, so that was a few years ago now. Um, and fresh out of my degree, actually got my first job uh, before I'd even got my results. Um, I went to a really small consultancy that was really niche. Um, and they specialised in artisanal and small scale mining, uh, which I'd actually never heard of before I did it. Um, and it turns out that that is actually the way that most of our minerals are sourced and that they are the way that jewelers buy and also technology companies, um, that's in all of their supply chains. And there's lots of risks that are very pervasive to the sector. Um, I went in as an intern for summer. Um, I wanted to work over the summer between graduating and finding a formal job. Um, and an internship evolved into being a junior researcher and then becoming a researcher and then becoming a project manager. And I ended up staying there for a few years. Um, it was quite random. I mean, I, I couldn't have guessed I'd go out of history and into mining. Um, but actually, um, obviously, it set me up in a career in sustainability because that's exactly what the consultancy specialised in. Um, I did a master's part time with that job in terms of my kind of academic background. I did it at LSE. Um, I don't know if I'd recommend a part time master's. Uh, obviously, now with hindsight, it's great. But at the time, it was unbelievably hard work. Um, and that came to me with the advice that, you know, the sustainability sector values um, higher education. Um, I, I learned a lot out of my master's, um, but I think I probably learned a lot more in terms of soft skills and balancing a really, really busy workload as much as the knowledge itself. Um, so I definitely encourage people who have also been told similar advice um, that a master's might help you, but I don't think it's, it's make or break at all. Um, it's about what you're passionate about and what you're interested in. Um, so yeah, and then I did three years in the consultancy and then moved over to Fairtrade three years ago and have stayed there ever since um, and moved into quite a different role at Fairtrade. So obviously picked up flowers and then I worked on Ben and Jerry's supply chains as well for quite a long time. And then eventually moved back into gold and also picked up wine, so quite diverse. Um, I think along the way, yeah, what I've learned is it doesn't have, you don't have to specialize in specific commodities or sectors or supply chains. It's very transferable. So um, certainly I have colleagues I know who panic they've got stuck in a rut or have cornered into a specialism early. And I don't think that's true. Sustainability is diverse. It's an industry that's learning. Um, there are new topics coming up all the time. I mean, there's never been a higher focus on carbon and climate. Um, and then there's, you know, the human rights risks and everything that was already kind of discussed quite openly before um so I think yeah that's what I've kind of learned along the way um is it doesn't really matter what your background is you don't have to have knowledge and expertise in something specific you just have to have the skills you can transfer across and I think if you're really really passionate about it um most organizations are really looking for people who are motivated willing to work hard and kind of understand a little bit about the sector and why it's important so um yeah I think those have been my learnings along the way Fabulous. Uh, Anna, you mentioned um, towards the top that, that sustainability very much values higher education and kind of maybe a, you did a postgraduate course. Um, and this kind of links to some questions we've had in around um, how important is postgrad courses, e even kind of, you know, moving on to PhDs. How, how important do you think having that level of higher qualification might be uh, within sustainability, uh, especially at Fairtrade? 
Yeah, from the fair trade side, uh, honestly, not that important. We're very much all about um, learning on the job, passionate about it, um, and also, you know, work experience is really valuable. Um, from the consultancy perspective, it was really important. A lot of emphasis was put on it, um, but it's partly because in consultant, you're you're always applying for every job you go for, and therefore, um, you know, CVs and of each person in a consultancy are what you think might be the next project, and they can only go from paper alone of the time. Um, again, in the world of the World Bank or the UN, or um, you know, if you want to go into uh, the Foreign Office, um, there is quite a lot of emphasis placed again there on higher education. So it does depend a bit. I mean, obviously, I interact a lot with corporate sustainability managers in different organisations. Um, within businesses again I think they value work experience and interest over higher education but there is a whole world of sustainability that is also really into that so I think it leaves it open if that's the route you want to take that's great it will be valued if it's not the route for you equally there's a whole other um, kind of space to work in sustainability where I think that's fine. Yeah great and a master's uh, and further education will always be there yeah. Uh, and often it's useful, I think, to, to know perhaps where you might want to specialise because some of those master's courses can can get very specialist. So it's good to, to perhaps get your teeth into something and, and find out a little bit more about the world before perhaps you even take that step. Uh, Jean-Paul. Yeah, so I, I think uh, I'm going to mirror most of what has been said previously as well. Um, so I think I, I started uh, as a civil engineer. Uh, well, I studied my bachelor's degree in civil engineering, well, civil and environmental engineering. And during my whole kind of bachelor's degree, I was always thinking about going into renewable energy. And I was looking, going to uh, career fairs about renewable energy, renewable UK trade fairs and all these types of things, looking for a role there. But I ended up in oil and gas. Uh, and I ended up in oil and gas working offshore for three years, uh, which was an incredible experience and like traveling the world, doing everything but it, it didn't scratch the itch that I had, which was actually, I, I didn't really want to work in oil and gas. I wanted to work in, in renewable, renewable energy. And so I kind of used a master's degree at UCL to pivot away from oil and gas. So I'd obviously learned a lot from that time and, and gained a lot of experience, but um, I used that, that master's degree and it was a master's degree in engineering of innovation and entrepreneurship. So it's quite broad as well but it gave a lot of skills around, well, a lot of the skills of what I do now around not just engineering, but looking at um, commercial opportunities, building business cases, uh, new technologies, uh, these types of things. And during actually a career fair similar to this, but in person at UCL, I met a small startup in the energy storage space. Um, and I just got talking to them and I ended up doing an internship with them um, at the end of my my uh, master's degree, which ended up with a full-time role, which kind of opened the door to, to where I am now. And I think a year and a half ago now, I, I joined Ersted. And going from, I think, progressively, let's say I was in that small startup with, I think, five people. And then when I left, it was like 10 people in a small room somewhere in London, really trying to get something going, to joining this company, which is now 6,000 people and, and looking at offshore wind projects across the world uh, was incredibly exciting. And I think one of the things I, I, I really feel about that made me take that leap and, and kind of go for that bigger company, because I didn't really want to be in a bigger company after my oil and gas experience, was like our vision for the company is to make the world run on green energy. And that really resonated with me. That's, that's, that's the, our screensaver. That's everything. Every time I bring up my laptop, let's run the world on green energy. And it's something that 
really drives me in my work and in my passion and what I want to do. So it's really quite good to have that complete alignment between the corporate vision and what you're doing. And I think also like there's lots of different types of corporate kind of structures. Like for us, we're, we're a matrix organization. So it's a very flat, but I think there's like three or four levels between me and the CEO because the whole corporate structure is quite flat. So we work with lots of different managers, different projects at the same time. So it's, it's incredibly exciting. And I think for me, that whole journey from kind of oil and gas to a company, which actually used to be an oil and gas major, but sold all its assets and has gone from um, 80% um, fossil fuels and 20% renewables in 2012 to flipping that now. Uh, and reaching my my vision resonates with the company and so it's, it's really quite gratifying super lovely thank you so much john paul <laughs> tom yeah uh so i i did an uh, undergraduate degree in edinburgh um in economics uh it was a four-year course uh so comes up as a master's but technically an undergraduate degree um i economics was a good one for me in terms of it, it touched on a number of uh, kind of areas you can kind of get quite specific in Edinburgh in terms of courses you can pick so I, I was definitely interested on the kind of financial side of things um, but also in terms of environmental issues so climate change and things like that so I uh, coming out uh, with my degree I was looking for a role which would kind of marry the two of those things um, Although I, I've done economics, I, I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't doing strict finance courses. So I didn't really have a kind of view to be going down that kind of accounting or or more kind of strict financial kind of role. Um, I found I was, I think, um, well, actually, I was interning at a kind of social enterprise, which does, did social investment in London. Um, part of my role there was kind of searching for interesting companies that they could look at. Um, and I think part of my role there, I found Abundance, which was just a kind of early stage, uh, pre-launch uh, company at that stage. I kind of got in touch just to say um, I, I was interested in if I could help out in any way. Um, and luckily, I kind of got in touch just at the right time and they were kind of looking for their first person to actually have to speak to customers and uh, do some of the day-to-day the -day work that the founders suddenly, um, when, they, when they're launching, had have to do. Um, so the time was was kind of just lucky for me in that sense um but certainly kind of trying to get out there and look for some of those smaller companies if that's what you're looking for it is a different um kind of a role you'll tend tend to play in a and it's exciting you'll be doing lots of different things um your roles will change you get to grow with the company um there are negatives to that as well you don't have as much structure and perhaps security there um so there's definitely kind of pros and cons it's not it depends what you're kind of looking for um but yeah i kind of started off on look thinking i would be more in the finance side um but as the kind of company grew if you split up kind of what our business does our, our investments team is often they much more come from a more uh, uh the finance sector background so either having accounting degrees or accounting qualifications uh, things like that for modeling and um, so while I could have grown into that I kind of found myself enjoying more of the a broader role um, a less specialized role in terms of qualification needs so for us as a business I guess it, it 
it kind of depends what area of us you're looking for but certainly the, the key thing we're will be when we're hiring is is people is really around the passion for what we're doing um whatever your background is um so some areas we do are more specialized investments team but otherwise um you know economics my economics degree didn't uh, certainly didn't wasn't a negative but uh, generally we'd like to high hire at the ground and kind of grow people with the business um then because the nature of our kind of small business doing often which lots of innovative new things um you know building that knowledge up within the business itself um rather than trying to hire outside it can be often quite hard for a small company because you're looking for quite a an odd role um it's not a you know a fixed role that you can go go out and get so we don't necessarily have any fixed um kind of qualifications often or your the nature of your degree won't matter as much um definitely work experience for us as in if you come to us you just learn how to work to some extent when you when you start your first job that kind of first year or two you just you learn a bit of how things work in terms of structuring your own day self-motivating things like that um which we find um you're always learning when you first take your first job so often hiring someone who's maybe had a year or two experience irrespective of what that is um is a positive that we see um but yeah it's that motivation it's kind of coming to us if we know that you're you kind of buy into what we do um you know that's especially for a small company where you, you might have quite a lot of responsibility or requirements to uh kind of self motivate and and uh and do jobs that you see that need doing um having someone who really buys into what we're trying to do and our broader mission uh, is a really real positive um yeah for how we work so much uh, and we'll come to Laura in a moment but uh, just as a reminder if there are any questions we're we're running a little bit of shorter time but if there are any questions for any of our um our guests if you could just pop them in the chat box and we'll try and take a couple towards the back end Laura yeah um so i graduated with a degree in computer science um but when i left uni i really didn't have any idea what I wanted to do I definitely didn't want to be a developer which kind of puts you in a awkward spot if you've studied um, computer science um, but I guess I've always had a passion myself for like veganism and the role that plays in terms of like global um, sustainability and I was really fortunate that someone I had studied with um, was working with All Plants um, and they had a role open and it was just on the customer team. I applied, um, I was fortunate to get it. Um, but yeah, I was just answering emails. I was just answering calls, um, but we were a super small team at that time. All of us were crammed into a loft, honestly, half the size of the engineering cafe. Um, it was so tiny, um, but it did mean I got exposed to lots of roles I didn't even know existed and product management was the one that really caught my eye especially having kind of a technical background um so yeah I literally just spoke to the head of product asked if I could find out more about what product management is how do you get into it um and long story short um after a few months of like meeting with her, reading materials, um, I was able to interview for a PM role at All Pants and join the team. So I guess um, 
echoing a little bit what Tom said, like with a small company, it's just growing all the time, more roles are evolving all of the time. Um, so a lot of the people that we've hired aren't in the role that they started in. A lot of people come in um, with little or no experience um, and then find themselves doing actually what they were passionate about all, uh, all along. Great, thank you so much. Uh, okay, so just, just an observation. Some of you guys um, have obviously gone through and, and done masters, etc. cetera. Uh, some haven't, uh, but you all seem to have had work experience of, of some nature or other. Um, and I would imagine there's probably quite a lot of uh, students with us who um, are thinking about getting work experience, but obviously have struggled over the course of the last year for very obvious reasons to get work experience, certainly in person. Um, and generally many of you have also worked for quite small companies. So I was just wondering whether any of you have managed to land work experience or even jobs um, not necessarily just through anything that's been publicly advertised. Uh, I mean, Jean-Paul, you went to a careers fair and you, you chatted to uh, someone which, which seemed to go anywhere. But I just wondered whether either you guys yourselves or um, you know of anyone who've used different kind of creative techniques to kind of make opportunities and, and luck happen for themselves. I'll just leave that open to, to anyone who might want to jump in. Um, yeah, I'm happy to add here. I mean, my first job I got out of uni wasn't advertised. Um, I just sent more emails than I'd dare count out to companies that I thought sounded interesting and said, you know, I've got the summer. Um, I'd really, really like to use it to build work experience. I'd really like to come work for you. Um, and it worked for the one I got. And then when they did recruit, I was already in place. So that set me up really well. Um, but it wasn't an advertised job. And I'd only ever heard of the company because I think I spoke to everyone I could meet about my interests and what I wanted to do. And people would be like, oh, you should speak to or. So I definitely think putting out feelers um, as far and wide as you want to really helps. I honestly get people message me all the time on LinkedIn. And I'm really happy to reply and help them and kind of let them know what we're doing. We've had volunteers throughout COVID, so even remote, um, and they might just do one or day, two days a week with fair trade. Um, and again, I think, I don't have a statistic, but most of them go on to get jobs because when vacancies pop up, they know the organization, they know how we work, um, they've got such an advantage um, and those weren't advertised roles. So I definitely think being quite propositional really helps. It definitely, it's worked for me and it works really well at fair trade when people get in touch with us. I think just to add to that, um, so I think uh, with my experience with um, that small startup I started, it wasn't advertised. They, they were just talking about, uh, we had a previous uh, colleague at that company who had studied at UCL, and we were just talking about the company. There was no advertising role there. And I just reached out, same, same as um, Anna saying, I reached out, had a conversation with them, and kind of a bit harder nowadays, but had a coffee, and I kind of just, you know, uh, managed to create a role even for myself. And I think also to kind of mirror Anna's comments, I'm more than happy when people message me to try and either through my network or in the current company I am to try and help guide them to where maybe there might be a role. Because I understand, especially now, you, you can't go for a coffee. Uh, you're probably only going to be relying on, on reaching out via LinkedIn or other things like that. So um, yeah, I'm always happy to help. I mean, I my job at Abundance, I've been there nine years now and yeah it was it was a they just had a holding website um, with an email address and I, I dropped an email into that so I, I can obviously say that yes it's an effective strategy um, 
I mean, I, I say that being frustrated because on the other end, I'm going to get a flurry of people emailing me asking to see if we have internships. So we don't at the moment. Um, but certainly, you know, it can't, it really can't hurt to, to send in um, inquiries. You know, do try and don't spam, you know, try and make it clear that you are specifically uh, emailing for that company. And what, you know, from our side, if we, if we find interest, pe interesting people who email us, and we don't have anything available and we generally don't because we're only a small team so not regularly hiring but you know we would we do take note you know we do keep that as a listen and by all means if we're then looking for someone for a new job as i say often that's not going to necessarily have specific qualifications so if we just have we know a good candidate who's previously emailed and has uh, you know a good broad education maybe and some experience there and they've shown the, the passion desire then, then you're on the list, so to speak. So it's, it's definitely no harm in sending in uh, unsolicited inquiries uh, as much as it can be a bit of bombarding from my side. Uh, and to that question that someone posted just uh, it's specifically for them on the finance uh, sector, I suppose, but a broader question there on navigating a career transition. Um, it can be difficult as we've kind of all said, you know, internships are, either low wage or no wage and that's just not obviously going to work for everyone uh, particularly if you're london-based but maybe there's a bit more scope for that if we're all remote um you can uh, live at home and uh live off your parents for that as, as zero wage part of your life um so it's it's certainly challenging um and particularly if you've maybe got some you know you've already got a few years work experience and you're transitioning a bit um you know you're going to maybe have to look at roles which are I'd say almost like a temporary step down as in your if you're going to a new role you might not have exactly the um experience that they would expect for that but they'll often they, you know organizations not just abundance but will are looking for good candidates uh the, apart from very specialized roles often you know you lots of lots of skills are transferable basically um, so while you may have to take a step down if you're going to a slightly different role or something i believe once you're in that company and you're you're showing your value so to speak you'll you quickly pick up the, the specifics of what that business does um, certainly from our side is there's not going to rarely going to be it would be impossible for us almost to go out and try and find someone who has exactly the experience because what we do is is quite specific so you know, we're just looking for people who have good transferable skills, bit of a catch-all term that I know, but um, it is just generally, you know, if you've got similar experience, even if it's in a different sector, it's definitely going to apply. Um, yeah, there's, a, you know, I'm sure it just take a, a few months or six months before you often will learn the specifics in that sector, but the kind of core skills that you have are, are going to definitely be transferable. So I wouldn't worry almost too much about that. If, you're, if you, your CV is going to hold up, then business is going to be uh, organisations interested in, in hiring you. Thank you all so much for watching this video. We hope you enjoyed the discussions around the skills and experiences needed to get into the sector, the challenges of working on the front line, including the impact of COVID-19 and how the panellists have adapted. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time.